Hi, I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place to make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. This new episode of Let's Talk AI, super happy to be here. So quick reminder, here we discuss about AI data, uh, 360 vision on the data world. And today I'm super happy to be with Jamshaid Sohail. How are you doing, Jamshaid? I'm doing excellent, my friend. Uh, what about you? Very good, very good. I'm super happy to have you on the show today because we'll discuss um, topics that we haven't um, quite discussed in the past. Um, you're the author of four courses on different websites. Uh, you have very interesting projects in your career um, and um, and much more that I don't want to share everything at the beginning, but uh, we, we have pretty cool uh, discussions. But maybe for the people who might not know you, can you... Um, Introduce yourself in a few words. Sure. My full name is Jamshed Suhail and I belong from Pakistan. And uh, I did my bachelor's in computer science from one of the top universities in Pakistan, National University of Computer and Emerging Sciences. And uh, then after doing the bachelor's, I did three years of industry experience in Pakistan, working in different startups and uh, large-scale companies and uh, Silicon Valley-based startups and lots of uh, projects and products and lots of ups and downs in the career. And uh, after working three years in industry, I came to Germany for pursuing my master's in data science from RWTH Aachen, or in German we say RWTH Aachen University, and uh, it's one of the biggest and the toughest Uh, university in Germany, and I have been successfully able to complete my master's in data science in the era of artificial intelligence and data science. And uh, apart from this, I have also been doing some part-time jobs in Germany itself. For example, I have been doing two jobs at uh, University Arvetha Aachen University, and then one job in Dusseldorf. Uh, as a working student and uh, I have done a lots of amazing things in these jobs in Pakistan and in Germany and I'm always uh, you know looking for challenges in life and striving hard to make things happen this is all about my educational and industrial experience and there are lots of other things to add which we will add while the podcast is happening awesome uh, love the description in the And uh, this uh, thriving for challenges um, is something that uh, I've seen quite a lot. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think it's the first line of your LinkedIn description, yeah. something similar. I don't remind it exactly, but um, um, you have very interesting projects. Uh, you're also a Kaggle competitor. Um, so we'll get into all of that. Uh, you kind of made a throwback on on your uh, career retrospective and uh, educative retrospective. Uh, you just graduated from this uh, prestigious master. Um, but my question would be um, to, to start digging a little bit deeper is, um, 
why did you got interested in computer science and data science and AI in the first place? So when I was a child, uh, I used to play with the computers and, you know, trying to break things and trying to make the internet work and making different Gmail accounts. I have like five to six Gmail accounts from my childhood so far, you know, playing with things and breaking things and how the things are working together. And then Facebook came out and then there used to be a game Farmville. And uh, <laughs> there was a beautiful game on Facebook uh, and that used to take a lot of time on, you know, sitting on the PC whole day. And then uh, I saw those uh, beautiful websites, like how the websites are being made and what technologies are being used behind those websites, like HTML, JavaScript and CSS cascading style sheets. And I, you know, that uh, that aroused curiosity in me like, okay, these are beautiful things, you know, uh, putting the things on a web browser. And uh, this is something uh, that I would like to do. And that actually pushed me to start a bachelor's in computer science. And I applied in universities and I got selected. And that actually boosted the flow to start my career in uh, computer science. And while I was in my degree, uh, in the beginning, I had some tough times like I wasn't able to understand most of the concepts related to programming and related to object-oriented programming and then mm -hmm. algorithms but I you know pushed myself I kept on uh, I kept on working hard waking up every day and making sure okay today I'm not able to pick up something maybe tomorrow maybe go to some different professor and then uh, with the passage of time you know you do something consistently Mm -hmm. And then you start grabbing those things. Mm -hmm. And in this way, my interest actually kept on building into computer science. And then I saw uh, Google launched Android. And uh, then uh, uh, that was something very interesting for me. And then I started taking some online courses from different platforms like Lunda and then Udemy, Udacity. And there are lots of other beautiful things. And that actually sparked interest in me. Okay, there are lots of things in computer science. There are lots of different domains. I can do whatever I want to do. I have a laptop. I have an internet. I have all everything I need to do. I have the food in my house. What else I need? <laughs> so that actually sparked the interest in me to learn these things. And then I devised the plan to learn web development back in 2000. 15 or 16, I devised a plan to learn Java, Android development, and I wish I had the MacBook at that time. I would have also learned iOS development. So yeah, this is something like once I did a thing, it actually created a thirst in me to go on to the next thing. And then gradually I took different courses in my university and at that, that, at that time, back in 2016 and 17, mm -hmm. the term data science and artificial intelligence just started to come out. It wasn't uh, like as it, it is today. So, yeah, these are all the things uh, which actually led me to jump into computer science. The, you know, the ease of uh, knowledge out there mm -hmm. on different platforms and how different people are ready to share the knowledge from different fields with lots of experiences and backgrounds. Right. So 
this is something very cool and interesting. Mm. Uh, like you can just easily go ahead and open a book related to computer science. I have some books down there. I can show you one of the books which I'm reading right now related to NLP, natural language processing. So the, the ease of knowledge and the the ability to expand is something which interested me to jump into computer science. And I think so it's uh, something which is not uh, every in every other field. Hmm. It's agreed. Agreed. Computer science and uh, playing with those tools have a very unique. Um... Yeah, it's like the beauty is you break things, and uh, you can quickly go ahead and fix them. There is no cost of breaking down the things. The more right. quickly you break down things, the more early you learn. <laughs> it's right. the beauty of computer science. Exactly. Compared to an architect where an architect can't just like build house and break them because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it needs to study to have it perfectly the first time because yeah. we don't want house that uh, breaks. Uh, it is easy to build houses in the cloud and, uh, and amazing architectures that does amazing things. And we need to break a few architectures before being able to do that. Um, that's very interesting. And I think it is also inspiring. And uh, I believe that resilience and motivation are main characters to... Sometimes just with a bit more time, we undervalue how much we can learn. Um, I really like this sentence. Um, I think Tom Eve, in an episode with Tom Eve, um, check him on LinkedIn. He's awesome. He shares a lot with, um, with the community. Um, but he told me, uh, we, I'm going to paraphrase kind of, but it is like, um, we overestimate what we can do in one year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And may, maybe I believe that Bill Gates said that uh, also. I but, think um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Uh, I, I, I lost track. Um, but I really like that. And feeling this, and this relates to your story, I believe that sometimes we get stuck into specific problems and we forget like the overall curve of uh, progress and growth. And uh, this is something that is uh, great to remember. And I like what you said. Uh, okay, I couldn't do it today. I'm going to do, try again tomorrow. tomorrow. And, uh, and and I have faith in the process. So um, so really like that. Um, so you've, you've been on this growth uh, learning journey, but you've also been teaching. And uh, I want to go on specific project that you've been in your career, but... Um, I would like to have your perspective on going from learning to teaching and you, you have also a, a course that teach for kids. Um, so what uh, raised an interest um, in building your own courses? I think you have four courses, authored or co-authored in a four different platform. Can you share maybe a bit more about why did you started building those courses? Sure. So while I was like in back in 2017, things were coming up related to data science, you know, and things were not that much mature. And as as they are today, especially in data science, computer science is a very old field and uh, there are lots of theoretical things from the very old times. Mm -hmm. So data science was like uh, in, in its initial stages. I took some courses from different platforms like Coursera, Udemy, then we have Udacity. There are lots of amazing platforms where different people come and teach courses. 
and uh, the professors uh, at that time actually started creating content for the field of data science and artificial intelligence and uh, there weren't any lot of stuff happening in the industry as if as it is happening today so i took the courses during my computer science bachelor's in the official computer science courses and as a hobby uh, online courses from different platforms and when i graduated i came to industry and i started working in the industry in pakistan and then i realized one thing there is a lot of gap between academia and industry what we are studying and what we are reading is not something what we are actually implementing in the industry there are a lot of gap like we are studying things on the very high level and when you go in the industry there is a whole new world there is a whole new technologies and whole new things so then i realized okay uh, the things which i am studying the things which i am i am applying there is a bit of a gap so let's work in industry for like one year i actually worked in industry like breaking things in the beginning you break things you 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 push in a wrong branch for example uh, you take the pull from wrong branch for example these are the typical mistakes which happen in industry and for example you have a delivery tomorrow and then your boss asks you to stay whole night at the software house there has been such days in my career in the beginning so there are two options at this point in time either you quit you go back home okay you are playing with your mental health you just go back home or either you stay you stay for one like one night drink some coffee and stay there and make the thing happen before the delivery and when you get out of that day you are a different version of yourself i hope you are following me like you get one through through one tough time you are a different version of yourself Mm-hmm. and if you repeat this in your life many times you become something very excellent mm-hmm. so this was happening like in my job i used to break things you know i used to learn things on the fly with the uh, with the colleagues and then i decided to create my own courses looking at the gap between academia and industry i decided to hit hard on the points which i actually applied into the industry mm-hmm. making a mixture of both theory and both practical and that was the main motivation okay jamshed let's think of something uh, which which is very unique you know mm-hmm. and while i was developing the first course data wrangling using python in 3.x uh, third version of python i actually did a comprehensive overview of literature like what topics have been included by different people on different platforms mm-hmm. on this specific topic okay there were some common topics and there were something you know unique topics in each one of them okay i kept those topics in mind the common one and the unique ones and then i had some topics in my mind okay while i was doing this thing in industry i came across this thing i came across that thing uh this thing actually uh disturbed me a lot in industry this thing is absent from all the online courses and nobody is teaching about these things mm-hmm. following the brain uh, the brain is working so i actually crafted the whole topics for my first course and that actually interest sparked the interest in me okay let's go ahead and create our first course and then gradually 
it became an interest in me. In the in the very first course, I was in Pakistan and I didn't have a, a good mic. I didn't have a noise uh, less mic. You know, there, there are specific mics which uh, cancel the noise from uh, background. And there yes. is a specific noise of the fan of the laptop that's also coming. I was having a Boya, Boya mic. There is a Boya M1. There is a specific mm. company mic. And yeah, in the beginning, I had some, you know, tough times recording videos. And I used to stay up whole night making sure, okay, I record the video. And let's go back to Camtasia Studio. That's the software for recording uh, and mm-hmm. editing videos. And make sure there is no noise in the background. It was exhausting, but it was worth it. I'm sitting mm-hmm. in front of you today, speaking without any hesitation and without any problem. There is a lot of effort behind this. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I had some troubles recording. You know, I used to break sentences. I used to speak wrong things. I had troubles explaining things. And then I, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, you get up every day. You make sure, okay, you start over. It's okay. But you get improved with the passage of time. And then mm-hmm. I created my first course. And then I created my second course on educative platform. And the beauty of that course was like, okay, in that course, I just have to explain stuff in the form of articles, in the form of chapters, in the form of lessons. And I can just do as much as I can. And that is the biggest course I have created in my entire career. And whenever I show it to people, they are like, wow, so many topics in one course. How did you do it? And that was like, okay, I have written one chapter. Okay, I have some time to do a bit of literature review. Let's read papers. Let's read articles. Let's read more books. And then come on a point, okay, which things should be included in my course and which should, which things should be discarded in the most simplest, in the most easiest, in the most, you know, grabbable manner. Mm-hmm. And the, the beauty of that course is like I'm still earning a lot of money from that course on educative. And then I developed my third course, which is for kids. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a company in India, Code Red which approached me after looking at the success of the previous courses. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, okay, they had some unique ideas of building a platform for kids where the kids of the age from 11 to 15 years can Mm -hmm. go ahead and learn about technical things. For example, Mm -hmm. coding, for example, web development. And they were curious how they can teach kids uh, the concepts related to data science or artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Then I actually jumped onto the challenge. In the beginning, you know, when you jump onto such, it is very easy to say, yes, okay, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then when you are developing content, then you have to keep in mind, okay, which things, you know, a kid from 11 to 15 years old can understand. Right. I taught the basics of Python, you know, making sure, okay, keeping the things simple and uh, basics of Python and some basics of mathematics, you know, and then which is good for regression analysis in machine learning. And then I uh, took the advantage of Microsoft Excel. And then uh, there are some beautiful tools in Microsoft Excel, uh, which are very good for making charts, you know, making visualizations and also doing regression analysis. Mm-hmm. So I actually kept my focus on the Microsoft Excel and then explained everything to the kids 
related to data science at the very basic and the very beginner, beginner level and uh, develop this course for them. It was a good one and I recorded the videos and uh, this time I didn't have any troubles because I had the past experience of developing. So this time I didn't have any troubles of noise from the background and blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the day, uh, this course became a success and uh, it's now deployed on their platform and I got I get positive feedback for the course. And in the recently, in while I was in Germany, I developed a very, very big course related to deep learning in PyTorch. So as they also say, the, the best way to master something is to start teaching what you learn. Mm. So while I was like developing the course, I, you know, I realized, okay, there are some areas which I also need to improve. And that actually helped me to improve those areas in PyTorch. So mm. that was deep learning in PyTorch. And there are like uh, around seven to eight hours of videos which I have recorded myself using the same mic and the same setup. Uh, but there was a green screen at the background and mm. it used to remove everything from the background. Mm. And I really liked that uh, developing that course because mm. uh, I covered concept relating to computer vision and deep learning, natural language processing, transformers, and lots of beautiful things. Like mm. I did a comprehensive literature review before explaining a topic, for example, reading a paper to develop a slide and giving proper proper references and remarks and everything. And mm -hmm. now it has become a success. And now they are also giving me some bonus on top of that uh, for developing that course. So yeah, this is something I am sitting alone in house and I'm thinking about ideas. Okay, this thing disturbed me at a specific point in industry. Mm. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, try to explain this thing in the most simplest manner. Uh, mm. Or maybe try to look for resources on the internet, maybe some papers. Mm. For example, sometimes if you read papers, different peoples are explaining the same thing in different manners. Mm -hmm. So there is always uh, a way of explaining the thing. Mm -hmm. There is always a way of you know exp uh, teaching the thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So if I am reading a paper related to a topic, uh, I will just go back to the references of that paper and then try to locate the similar papers and then see, okay, how authors are explaining the same thing mm -hmm. in different manners. You follow me? Someone yeah. is explaining the thing in a very complex and hard manner and some authors are explaining the thing in the most simplest and the most easiest manner. And you just make notes of all of those things. And at the end of the day, you have a very beautiful hierarchy of concepts you can mm -hmm. explain in your own words to mm. people around in the most easiest manner. So yeah. And these are just four courses. I plan to make a lot of courses in my career. Mm. So there are lots of courses coming. People come to me for writing books and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm always up for these opportunities at the side. Mm -hmm. So the basic purpose is to explain them uh, things in the most uh, easiest manner, you know. If you take mm -hmm. the course, course, then you, you're also able to grab the things. So stuff like mm -hmm. that. That's the right. Main. Uh, basic purpose you know i see and i really like what you mentioned like you really master something when you can teach it when and you can teach so it true. it's 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 a saying by richard Feynman. 
uh, Richard Feynman has been a very famous physicist in the past, yeah. and he was a professor. It's a saying by him: the best way to master something is to start teaching what you learn, and it's mm. true. So when mm. you are explaining something to some people, okay, you realize, okay, you are good at some points, you are weak at some points. Maybe maybe take some time to work on those ideas. So yeah, it's a fun activity. If you like doing such things, if a very fun activity, all you need is a mic, a camera, and a laptop again, <laughs> and a good mm. setup of the room. Yeah, and it has this amazing way of uh, making sure. For example, when you were doing your deep learning course with PyTorch, you mentioned that you had some more areas where you needed to improve, and I guess that. Uh, when one is like teaching something like there is no excuse in ignoring a specific topics because we need to confront it because we need to teach it afterwards so so i believe that it is uh, it is an amazing process of uh, teaching and also like having this mindset of sharing this journey of growth like like you shared and like teaching it and not only to people at your level like it's a concept you're grasping at a harder level explaining it for kids is such an interesting exercise um but it have amazing um upwards in ways that for example further on in your career and we're going to talk about your um, professional experiences but when you discuss with stakeholders um in your company that does not have a technical understanding of things then uh, it is amazing how similar uh, it can be to explaining to kids and explaining to non-technical stakeholders, maybe. Uh, do you want to react on that? Yeah, it's true. It's very much true. For example, if you work in a company, most of the times the stakeholders are non-technical and they're from non-technical background. All they need at the end of the day is some output, some results, you know, how they, they, they need to produce some business. When you're working in a company, they don't give about uh, anything about technical knowledge or mm -hmm. uh, what is happening under the hood. All they care about at the end of the day is some output. And when you just go ahead and train, uh, explain them the things in the most stepwise uh, step manner, then they also become, uh, you know, confident, okay, some work is happening things are going in a good direction. If you're able to explain them, okay, this is where I am stuck, or this is uh, the skill I am learning today in order to get out of the specific uh, loophole or specific uh, tough thing in a project, I need to learn something new. For example, a new framework of Python. <clears throat> I have been developing very good products and projects in my career. So back in one of my companies, uh, a client came to us. He wanted to actually know on which uh, products he should invest in order mm -hmm. to actually have the maximum return on investment. So it was Corona time. And in Corona, all the businesses were closed. And mm -hmm. most of the companies in the world had a severe loss. So they wanted to know, okay, uh, once the Corona is gone, or for example, the Christmas is coming, how they can uh, go ahead and uh, recover the maximum amount of uh, money they have lost, mm -hmm. maximum amount of revenue. So at that time, 
uh, companies uh, were very much hurrying up to, you know, do the things as quickly as possible. And there was a lot of business in this area of time series forecasting, mm -hmm. like how you can predict what would happen uh, in the sales or other things in the future. And at that time, I had to learn some new things uh, related to the technical uh, frameworks. And I told it to my supervisor, okay, I need some time. For example, a week, I will invest some time learning this framework. And then after this time, I would be able to develop such a tool which would be able to do such a thing. So he got aggregated with it and he gave me some time. Although he was a non-technical person, but he had trust on me that I'm going to do it. And after one week, I started working on the tool. I developed the tool. And at the end of the day, we were able to actually win that project. So, yeah, this is how things work. If you are able to explain things to the stakeholders, okay, whatever you are doing or whichever direction you are taking, or how much time do you need for a specific thing, uh, then they also become confident and the, uh, and the, you know, the ability of a success of a project increases. So yeah, it's very important. The explanation and communication is very important, especially in businesses. Mm -hmm. We're having lots of people from different backgrounds, like CTO, then you have product manager, and especially CEO. CEO is not a technical most of the times. All he cares about is the business and the output. And if mm -hmm. you explain it to him, uh, okay, I am this, I'm needing this much of technical knowledge or this is where I am stuck. Or maybe you explain to him, okay, this is possible. This is not possible. How this is possible? How this is not possible? So, yeah, they also become satisfied and happy when you show them the output. What you say, you actually execute it. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about understanding of the things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. This ability to not only say, yes, I can do it, but I will do it in this time. And, uh, and we'll have these metrics to measure the performance of what we're doing and to know if we're in the right direction or if we need to pilot. Um, Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, I was about to ask you about some previous experiences of yours, such as, if I'm not misunderstood, you worked on the Amazon Go project. Uh, and I would love to hear a bit more uh, about this computer vision and your experience related to working on this project. Sure. So Amazon Go, like, uh, first of all, I would like to give a bit of overview of the company in Dusseldorf, Germany which I was working for, and I am still invited by the CEO to come anytime to join their company for anything. We are still in contact because I delivered them the thing which uh, they weren't uh, imagining of. It was a mm. very amazing thing. So it is uh, the company name is Livelo Technologies. It is in Dusseldorf, and uh, they are working on, you know, autonomous uh, shopping and autonomous uh, grab-and-go systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are having smart kiosks, which are very much popular in Germany. And uh, they have recently won a lot of awards uh, for their unique idea. And it's very, you know, portable. The kiosk is very much portable and it's smart. Mm -hmm. It's having the uh, embedded system thing inside in it. 
which is capable of telling, okay, what is being picked up. It has mm. everything inside. It is a whole world of technology inside. And mm. all, at the end of the day, it offers you a very cheap food uh, at workplaces, at uh, hostels, at every place. You can place that kiosk anywhere and it mm. will do the job for you. So the idea is to actually take this uh, technology of our company and then turn it into Amazon Go. And what is Amazon Go? Amazon Go is like stores in America where we just walk in from one point and then you just pick the things you want, for example, Coke or daily things you want to eat. You just grab them and you put them in your bag and you go out. And then at the end of the day, your mobile will show you a notification what you pick up, in what quantity, and how much you should be charged. And uh, that charge should be automatically deducted from your credit card or PayPal or from debit card, anything. Mm -hmm. These are This is the idea of grab and go uh, store. Uh, these are like person-less, cashier-less stores. So mm -hmm. this is something uh, which is already happening in America a long time ago. But uh, they have invested a lot of money in it. Amazon is one of the richest, uh, the CEO is one of the richest person in the world and they have a very expensive technology. And right now in Germany, the companies are like very much hurrying to enter into the market with this technology, you know, there are not mm -hmm. so many stores in Germany. There is one in Cologne, uh, Reve Grab and Go, but it has its pros and cons. There are there are many ways to break the system. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, this was the idea at the initial uh, start of the job at Livelo Technologies in Dusseldorf, and I decided to jump into it. I could have said, okay, this is a lot of work. I'm not going to do it. This is going to demand extra hours. This is going to be, you know, painful at some points because, you know, you, you would be stuck in a manner where you don't have any immediate uh, advisor or immediate, uh, you know, person who is more knowledgeable than you at the current company. So mm. I should have said in the beginning, okay, I'm not doing this job. But mm. I didn't say that. I decided to start the job and in the job, I did a lot of research, like how the things are working from different people, like reading research papers, going after people and doing a lots of stuff, you know? Mm. And then I kept on working, working, working. And at points I got stuck. I had some stressful days. I had some dark days. I, when I used to come home, I was, thinking all the time about these things, you know, sitting at mm. home, eating food. And the brain is thinking, okay, how do you get out of that point? How do you resolve that thing? Which paper to read next? The brain is always thinking these things. So, yeah, and this was also like uh, you keep on appearing every day. That's very important in life. You keep on appearing every day, no matter what bad day you had yesterday, no matter you weren't able to do something yesterday, maybe today. You keep on appearing every day. And then at the end of the day, I was able to develop the system for them with a single camera in which a person used to walk in from one point. He used mm. to actually grab things from the kiosk, their smart mm. kiosk, and he used to walk back. And my system used to tell me, okay, 
this thing was picked up by this person in this quantity and this amount of pay should be charged to him. Mm. So yeah, this was the whole baseline solution, but it was a very, very big achievement, you know, for a startup, mm. not a big company, not mm-hmm. having a lot of fund, not mm-hmm. having a lot of resources, not having a lot of, you know, labor and lots of things, but it mm-hmm. was a very, very big success uh, for a company, a uh, small startup. And the CEO became very happy when he had the first demonstration with me. And mm. you know what? Thomas, there was there used there wasn't used to be a ceiling camera, uh, for you know there should be a ceiling camera for this use case, mm-hmm. a camera which should be fixed at a certain angle in a room. That's very mm-hmm. important for this use case in order mm-hmm. for the computer vision and deep learning algorithms to work. The more complex you make the problem, the more uh, the more difficult it becomes. The more simple you keep the problem the more easy it becomes to reach to the solution. Mm-hmm. You're following, right? That's very mm-hmm. important in order to reach the solution. There, 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 there wasn't any camera fixed to the ceiling. And what I used to do, I had a table. I used to step onto the table and hold my hand with the camera, hold the camera with my hand and ask one of my colleagues to perform some actions like walking in from one side, picking the things up and going back. And I used to keep my hand like this for a long time. Like it became, it was stressful. It was exhausting. But I, you know, slowly, 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 every day, every day, at the end of the day, you had the solution. And now Mm. they had fixed the camera at that point because, you know, the things are started to work. And yeah, now they are like taking the solution to multiple cameras. This is mm-hmm. uh, like you. It is very easy to track people from one camera. It is as very easy to track you and me if we both us are together in one camera. Mm-hmm. But if we both of us are in different cameras, mm-hmm. and uh, then it's very hard to keep track. You know, this is a very mm-hmm. difficult problem, and uh, it's in order to know. Okay, if Thomas is in one camera. If he gets uh, from the field of view of one camera, he gets into the field of view of the second camera. The camera should know it's the same Thomas, which the camera one has seen. Mm. This is uh, this problem is referred to as multi-person tracking, mm. and uh, and there is another term which is called in deep learning and computer vision person re-identification. How mm. to re-identify, okay, this person has been seen before. So, mm. yeah, this is the area of computer vision and deep learning. And now they are scaling my solution to this uh, side of the solution. And the next challenge is, okay, you have two cameras and uh, you are able to solve the problem of person re-identification. What if you want to have three cameras, four cameras, five cameras, and how do you place them in an angle uh, which is working, you know, which is doing the job, which is making the things happening. There is also a term of stitching. Mm. So stitching is like you take multiple images from different cameras and you stitch them in a manner that at the end of the day, it seems like it's one camera. Mm. You follow me, right? At the end of the day, it seems like it's one camera. So there are different, you know, roads and pathways for approaching the solution. And it's on you how you make the things, how you think about the things, and how you make the things complex or easy 
and go ahead and yeah these are like uh, i have uh, told everything about the technical terms uh, which you might not hear about from common people outside working on this area because mm. this is something very unique and this is not something happening a lot in europe i would say this is there are some specific companies in germany which are working on these things and mm. people are just uh, you know having different variations of the same problem and entering into market uh, with these things and there are always loopholes there are always ways to break the system for example i would share one thing a person picks up something maybe coke and puts it back so how would you keep track of that thing which has been picked up and put it back by the same person mm-hmm. and if there are two persons sitting side by side in which area to place the camera in order to make this work you follow me mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. the 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 solution is like you keep the simple problem simple and then you try to achieve the first baseline solution and then you improve it from there and yeah this was a very tough journey i would say i was having my studies at arvtih aachen university and i used to travel from aachen to dusseldorf it's a distance of one and a half hour mm. from morning i used to go to the morning and then i used to come back in the evening and i used to go to the gym after coming from the job in order to release the whole stress this is very important in life to release the stress and to start over again in the next morning so yeah these are lots of uh, things which happened at the startup and uh, i was able to deliver it successfully the baseline solution and they gave me a very beautiful experience letter jimmy they go they used to call me jimmy jimmy you are always welcome to come back and they have mentioned the technologies and the things which i made it work for them so awesome. yeah that's uh, that's an amazing project and, and it feels like a, a very challenging computer vision i was thinking of different ways to that you could have uh, built this baseline but i would assume that um that this is uh, like a kind of secret the technical part the how yeah. did you I get just, this? Uh, highlighted uh, the terminologies mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, the terminologies in deep learning and computer vision which yeah. are being involved in the whole use case there mm-hmm. are lots of things happening under the hood their technology like the startup technology which they already have i didn't disclose that but <laughs> i did disclose okay these are the terms in computer vision and deep learning like person tracking multi person tracking multi camera tracking uh-huh. and then we have the term of person reidentification that's very very important in this uh-huh. use case and then we have this term of image stitching or video stitching these are all the terms uh, like uh, which you can uh, actually go ahead and learn about these things and become familiar with the technology and how the things are working under the hood hmm. um just quickly in terms of this project you were using python and like what what libraries of deep learning and what languages were you using or this is also secret so first of all in order to develop such projects these projects need to be in real time so for example if you keep a separate system which is having its own gpu and its mm. own specific hardware and on that system 
this whole thing is deployed that works the most uh, you know that's the most economical way of a, mm. uh, developing such problem it's most uh, it's uh, most about python programming language first of all mm. and then you can go with pytorch or tensorflow whatever mm. you want at the end of the day ceo or the stakeholder all they care about is the output mm. all they care about is the execution of the use case if the use case is working good there is no you know lags in the output there are no problems in the output they mm. don't care about okay it's tensorflow or pytorch or any other framework so mm. for me it was basically pytorch mostly so mm-hmm. things were simple and things are most easy to execute in pytorch and right. most of the things in academia are being executed in pytorch like uh, there are the most state of the art research if you go to github uh, you would find some state of the art papers in person tracking or stitching there will mostly be in pytorch hmm. awesome uh, but you need to have the you need to have the ability to you know go and read go and see go and find yeah. out this is very important in executing this project if you don't have the ability to go and read go and find out go and see go and what other people are doing you know do a comparative analysis you won't be able to uh, you know get to the top of the solution this is very important in order to reach the top of the solution you should have the ability to do compare and go and read and go and do everything hmm awesome uh i might ask you afterwards if you have uh, tips on um, well, which paper do you choose to read why where do you go for finding informations when you're stuck with a problem uh, but before that i would like to ask you uh if we could get into the architecture part of the solution as it is real time uh and if we're not speaking about this problem in particular um worry was it you mentioned a hardware with gpu was it like in the cloud and like was your model deployed in the cloud and was it on aws or was it like all in a local machine that had gpu to process the, the the video from the from the camera like can you share a bit about how you dealt with the real time part in terms of the infrastructure and how you managed the data so there was a you know there was one expo happened at uh, dusseldorf and mm-hmm. that expo was about these things like autonomous retail systems they they use the coin term autonomous retail systems mm-hmm. and in these systems these systems fall like amazon go another so there were lots of companies which came with their solution to such problem and uh, yeah there were different uh, things which people were doing some people were uh, taking the data in a very private manner of the person who were walking into the store uh, like it's germany and in germany you know there are lots of privacy laws and lots of uh, privacy and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah so some people were using uh, privacy enhancing technologies mm. this is the term i would like to coin privacy enhancing technologies of how to hide the identity of the person who is coming in for example his face and blah 
you can other add other features in order to you know give him a unique identity at his entrance and they were also making utilization of the cloud technologies uh, the technologies which uh, give us such uh, functionality of privacy enhancing you know that stuff mm-hmm. should be there but there were also companies who were having uh, you know local systems uh, de- de- deployed at the place which mm. should be regarded as the store mm. that's the most you know easiest and that's the most uh, a fast way of executing this use case we just keep uh, one to two systems mm-hmm. in a place small store small container like store and mm-hmm. on those systems the whole system is deployed and there is no uh, communication happening with the backend or cloud and uh, yeah this is the most economical and most easiest way of executing this use case and this was such something which we also proposed to the stakeholders to go with it to have one maybe laptop for example a laptop having a 16 gp gpu it's enough and then uh, all all the laptop has to do is to do the inference it's not the training happening so for training we can go to cloud for training over models and you know training right. the models of person reidentification we have google collab we have kaggle there are lots of other things mm-hmm. so for we actually take the system and then deploy the whole code and make sure it's working on that system and mm-hmm. it's most about local systems not mm-hmm. the cloud technologies the goal is to develop the solution in the most simplest and the most cheapest manner so mm-hmm. when an investor comes in to see this solution he really likes the idea if we keep the things expensive it would be hard to reach the solution first of all for a mm-hmm. startup <laughs> and then if it is too much expensive nobody is going to buy that mm-hmm. so you have to think about the you know simplest things and keep the things simple so right. you know 16 gb gpu uh, 16 gb gpu laptop is not that much expensive for a company mm-hmm. awesome that's a very interesting um that's a very interesting project and um for the time we've been recording we we now know you uh, a lot better in terms of uh, what the courses you've been doing the projects your philosophy around um work uh and there is something i mean there are many things that we didn't discuss uh but um but there is one thing in particular that i have in mind uh, which is uh competitions in kaggle uh and um i would love if you could share uh how did you start going into competitions like like what was the, the factor that made you start and maybe you can share um the silver medal that you gain um on on a specific challenge um and uh, yeah can you share us about that sure <clears throat> so the kaggle is something i started uh, out of a sudden i i i just used to hear this term kaggle 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 everywhere mm-hmm. and one day i decided to you know go ahead and read some discussions about a problem on kaggle and i was mm-hmm. amazed to see how different people from all over the world are contributing towards the solution of a problem from different papers 
and uh, from different, uh, you know, different resources, there mm-hmm. is also a lot of garbage. Like the people who are just jumping into the Kegel just to get those medals quickly as soon as possible. There is also a lot of garbage. But there are some very, very good people from all over the world on Kegel. There are very good people from Germany, Brazil, India, and uh, like there are very amazing people. I ha- I am following all of those people on Kaggle. I am following all of those people on LinkedIn and then all of those people on Twitter. I keep an eye on their accounts. I will come to this uh, learning pathway of Twitter and LinkedIn as well because there is a lot of learning happening there too. Mm. So yeah, there are very good people. I recently went to Kaggle Paris days which happened this year. I went to Paris. I met a lot of Kaggle grandmasters from all over the world, shaking mm. hands with them, sitting with them, eating with them. And like, you know, when you sit with someone, uh, they tell you about their life stories and they tell you how they got into Kaggle and how they do things and what is the key to success. You learn a lot of things. I met mm. a Kaggle, Kegler, who was the number one at that time. And he still is the number one. Kegler at this time. He's from Austria. His name is Philip Singer. You can also look him up on LinkedIn. The people I'm telling about, they are like the top notch in the field. So yeah, I was sitting with them and I also learned with them. Back in the days, back in like, uh, I think so back one to two years, I started into Kegel. And I started in the beginning, you don't have any idea how to do things. You go ahead and then you just read things and then you realize, okay, this is the data set, this is the problem, and this is the discussion. And then I used to prepare some specific documents. While I was reading the discussions, I used to take notes down. Okay, this this is something the people are doing to approach the problem. This is something a Kaggle Grandmaster is suggesting to approach the problem. So when you read the discussions, you learn a lot of things. Mm. learn amazing things about the specific competition. So there is one uh, more famous uh, Kaggle Grandmaster from America. Uh, I just forgot his name, but I can go and look up his name. Uh, he is actually contributing a lot in Kaggle competitions, different competitions, mm. in discussions. So the way you start is you go ahead and read the description and then you make a little bit sense of the competition. And then you look at the data set you make a little bit sense of the data set and then you start reading the discussions and then with the passage of time with the passing days you start making sense of the things and then you jump onto the code and there are two ways people usually employ they start from scratch or they just go ahead and read the codes and solutions from other people you know there are lots of common things between the solutions of different peoples so most of the times it's about tweaking small things and trying to improve the results in someone's mm-hmm. solution so yeah it's about okay you go ahead and then read the code and uh, make sure okay you have the compute hours in kaggle in order to actually do your own experiments you have some ideas after reading the discussions after reading the descriptions mm-hmm. And after reading different codes, you have some ideas in the brain. And then you make sure you have some compute time on Kaggle 
or maybe you try to buy the 10 euro google collab subscription mm-hmm. that's very uh, you know economical and they give you around 100 compute units uh, which are very much uh, more for producing your experiments so and then you start doing your experiments and then you just also make sure you keep track of all the experiments like which things were working together and which things were weren't working together you try out different things and sometimes it happens thomas that a competition has also been appearing in the past or there has been some similar competitions which has been happening in the past there is a proper website kaggle's top solution you just go to that website and try to read the top solutions from the top kaggle grandmasters and then you start making sense of the things and sometimes it happens that you just go to the past competition which was similar to the present one and then you just go to the discussions and after the competition is over the kaggle grandmasters or the top people in the field are sharing their insights how did they win the medal how things worked for them you mm. read them it's there are like top 10 solutions and you read all of the solutions you learn new things you learn different things and then you try out those things in your current competition and then you try to reach you know as much as possible to the top and the biggest hurdle sometimes in kaggle competitions is the compute time you know compute gpu sometimes people don't have that of a gpu especially in big data sets competition if you have big data sets then you need to make sure that you have the proper hardware to play with those data sets maybe images mm-hmm. or something else mm-hmm. and sometimes it's about assembling assembling is the art of combining different models in order to improve the overall result of the model so it's about taking the output from different models and then at the end of the day if it's a regression problem you can take the mean if it's a classification problem you can take the vote so these are the, like the technical terms and there are lots of other things involved in assembling so sometimes it's about assembling like you just go ahead and you take the models from different notebooks maybe take your own models take models by different people and then you try to assemble them and then you try to go at the top in the public public leaderboard but hmm. it's also about like sometimes it's also about like sometimes and i have seen this thing like it's about consistency on kaggle one thing mm-hmm. the second mm-hmm. sometimes it's luck you never know what is going to be in private leaderboard and what's data set uh, you are going to be evaluated on and sometimes mm-hmm. in fact most of the times you need to trust your cross validation like you need to make sure that your way of performing the experiment for building the model is very good and if there is a correlation between cross validation scores and the public leaderboard scores then that means you are going in a very good direction the more mm-hmm. you try to improve your results on the public leaderboard then that means the more the chances that you are going to be at the top at the private leaderboard so i hope you followed the whole sentence this mm-hmm. is a bit of a technical thing mm-hmm. so yeah if there is a correlation between your cross validation scores and the public leaderboard this is a very common thing 
and then uh, there is a chance you are going to be at the top at the private leaderboard too so this is the same thing which happened to me in the kaggle competition i won the silver medal in i actually started with reading discussions and i came across very good idea it was a, a competition about classifying uh, images into cancer or non cancerous images melanoma so i i i read a discussion where a kaggle grandmaster was saying okay you what you try to do is you crop the images in different sizes small a bit big a bit big a bit big and then you train different models on these different size images and then you do the ensemble this is what i did and i was able to get the silver medal as a solo person you know single handedly mm. i kept the you know it was very fun i used to wake up early in the morning in pakistan when you ha- when you like doing something it's the natural urge to wake up something wake up early you have the mm. food just start over so yeah i was able to win this uh, single solo silver medal and it was very fun for me to win this medal and i am uh, like i was busy in my masters in data science at arvitha aachen university which was very hard i completed it in 3 years and uh, yeah this is the average time people take to complete the masters and uh, now i will be back on kaggle um, so i took a, a bit of a break but i will be back and now there are lots of amazing competitions going on related to large language models you know things are changing every day and you need to make sure you just cope up with those things so this is the whole journey awesome that's wonderful thanks a lot for sharing i believe that um, sharing all those details are highly valuable for people who are thinking to get into kaggle or who might know I might have done in the past like a few competitions but don't have this big picture and uh I believe that you shared like an amazing path for anyone to enter any competition and like and like have a framework to like approach things like not start coding like just look at the data set start coding no like go read the discussions read the grandmaster read previous solutions understand what's working or not and then the correlation between um between the top public leaderboard and uh, and how you're improving your model is uh, is a very interesting also and how you're ranking up um <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, all very very interesting um so we're kind of at the end of the episode and i have three little more questions uh before asking those three little more questions um i want to thank you a lot for coming on this show uh it have been an amazing uh, journey for me for this one hour to to learn from your experiences and everything so so thanks a lot jam said for coming on the show uh, amazing sharing amazing knowledge um and uh my three little questions are uh first do you have a tip for anyone um on this learning journey uh, about learning about finding the right articles about finding the right courses do you have tips in learning in general I would say okay <clears throat> I would say uh, you just make sure you find the right books from online resources related to data science first of all for example I was reading this book mm, I was recently, about to ask you about your book this book recently 
and uh-huh. this is a very good book on transformers and it's uh-huh. a very good book to actually learn the basics of large language models right so the book I, for- would, i would always say never hesitate to go back to the basics and mm. always start from the basics mm. and then you gradually add up on top of those things and try to look for resources which are from you know validated people uh, try to go to the profile of the people who have been uh, writing such books for example or maybe uh, developing courses and look at their profile what they have been doing in the past mm-hmm. like for example they have been working in google and if they are writing a book something about their architecture that book is worth reading this uh, the authors of this book are working in hugging face and one of the authors is the co-founder of hugging face mm-hmm. and hugging face is a platform which is uh, developing the which is providing the transformers models and in a very good manner uh, these are pre-trained you can do a lots of things from their platform so mm-hmm. just verify that whatever you are doing from whichever person you are doing that person is you know having a, a very good background and holds mm-hmm. a lot of experience if he is telling about a certain thing then that thing is very much valuable then right. that thing is very much acceptable then that thing is going to change your life so yeah this is the first advice i would like to give for example there are lots of amazing courses on uh, coursera uh, from different amazing people from different amazing professors and mm. it's very easy with a little bit of effort to find their profile on google from their cv or maybe personal github page or stuff like that do a mm. bit of research about the person you're about to read the stuff from mm. that's very important in data science because there are lots of beginners people and there are lots of medium articles and sometimes there are lots of mistakes sometimes there are lots of mistakes in codes you just to make sure whatever you are trying to read whatever you trying to follow or whatever you about to start is from a you know a person which holds the full uh, knowledge about the field mm-hmm. makes sense awesome the book is called uh, natural natural language processing with transformers for uh, anyone who is listening and doesn't have the video and it is uh, the book published by o'reilly and uh, i couldn't cite the authors but you will find it easily um my second question um is where can people follow you or get to know more about you or your courses or whatever you publish I have my LinkedIn page and I have my Twitter account and I'm following about uh, 5000 people on Twitter I I was telling like I was get back to that later uh, the people I am following on Twitter are very amazing like there are people from different universities you know PhD mm-hmm. professors postdocs mm-hmm. and some amazing people from industry working in different domains mm-hmm. and they tweet about you know state of the art things Mm-hmm. they tweet about for example i am also planning to make my command on dockers and uh, kubernetes and stuff like that you know and mm-hmm. uh, i'm following some people uh, on twitter but uh, you can always uh, find me on linkedin twitter and uh, facebook these are the mm-hmm. three main platforms which i'm more active on mm-hmm. i'll put all the links in the description and um um 
I was uh, I was about to come back to the LLM things uh, we mentioned hugging face uh, amazing work I believe that key players with LLMs and NLP in general um, I would look into Cohere I would look of course OpenAI and their models you mentioned hugging face I would like to mention Longchain whom like this is crazy as open source how fast they um, create things uh, I wouldn't get into the vector databases because there are so much and like everyone right now launching vector databases from anywhere but um uh, we did a recent episode with suzanne where we discussed about elastic search and how they added those functions um pinecon uh, pinecon is another one and i just wanted to throw here some names for people who are listening um in terms of the llm fields and um and what's going on to to like have few things and if you want material write um write to us on on linkedin or on socials um and we'll provide more material to 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 find more about that and so my last question and i thank you again for coming on this show um jam sites i had an amazing time um would you have a message for the let's talk ai community uh, it can be personal it can be professional uh, just a sharing that you would like us to remember uh, as we go on with our journeys, building better things for a better world? I would say, like, uh, always make sure that uh, you are enjoying what you are uh, doing. That's uh, very, very important in life. Otherwise, you won't expect to go far in life. It would be a normal life. You get up every day and you would be having some money at the end of the month to make your, you know, earnings and breads and butters. If you want to live a normal life, you can go with whatever you want to do, even if you are not liking that. I would always suggest people that try to go as far as possible. That You are enjoying your work. That's very important. Otherwise, you cannot expect the person to go far in the field. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that energy daily to get up and make the thing happen, you know. If you are enjoying your work, you can uh, go very far. And I think so. I learned this thing from Steve Jobs. He once said in his interview that uh, if you are not liking something, then the odds of giving up is very high. Then the odds of giving up is very high. And it's true that if you're not uh, so much into a thing, then you can easily surrender and go back home. And then you cannot go far in developing solutions or breaking things. You need to have the resiliency and getting up every day. That's Mm. very important in life. No matter if it is a tornado is coming outside or there is a hurricane outside, you get up every day. And then you plan, okay, if there is a tornado outside, what you need to do? Maybe get a bit far far away from it or do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Get up every day and execute your plan. Awesome. Awesome. This, uh, this is an amazing message. I thank you again. Uh, thanks for everyone who is listening until the end of this episode. Uh, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Sure. Thank you. It was very nice to meet you. Congrats, you've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.